Now concerning this beast of Daniel 7, it's described in the following terms. Verse 7 of Daniel 7, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and exceeding strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns." Um, Pretty impressive descriptions. Descriptions like dreadful, which is the word decal, which is that to slink, sneaky. by implication, to create fear. It's causatively to be formidable, to make afraid, fear, terrible, interesting, dreadful. It was dreadful, it was terrible. It speaks of being uh, the word emtani, uh, emtani is the word for terrible. And it means well-loined, burly, formidable, mighty. In other words, it'll look sleek and massive and, and it'll be slinking or uh, or stalking, characteristics of the nature of this beast. Strong, the word takif, mighty, formidable. So much so that people say, who can make war against the beast? Keeping in mind, we're not talking about a T-Rex or a uh, Indomitus Rex as the uh, series that uh, 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 have been created for television of dinosaurs. It has, it's being presented as the most massive, well-endowed in the sense of power, uh, sleek, uh, formidable in every sense of the word, terrible and strong and exceedingly great, exceedingly yatir, y-a-t-t-i-y-r, yatir, means it's preeminent, it's exceedingly, it's excellent, seems to have no flaws, seems to have no vulnerabilities, with great or large, it's domineering in its character, huge, great teeth, its capacity to devour, 
iron teeth. Uh, it's the word, it's the teeth is the word, uh, the Hebrew word shen, S-H-E-N, as in shen, lamed, wa, and mem, uh, which is the word for peace. Uh, shen here, S-H-E-N, is a tooth, and in the Hebrew it's pictured as two front teeth for devouring. So it devoured and broke into pieces to crumble or to crush. Deka, D-Q-A-Q, Deka, to crush in pieces and stamp, to put your foot on, to dominate with its feet. And it was different from all the other creatures and it had ten horns. Why do I go through this litany of things, that, of characteristics for this beast? We should be able to just read it and say, oh, it's uh, dreadful and terrible and exceeding strong, huge iron teeth, devouring, breaking in pieces, trampling the residue with its feet, and it was different from all the beasts that were before it and it had ten horns. If we're talking about a kingdom, and we're told in Daniel 7, the one who is speaking said, these four great beasts are four kingdoms. So this kingdom, and we'll, we'll look at it in just a moment, this kingdom will look like it is flawless, unassailable, cannot be dominated, indeed it dominates. It has thought about everything. It has put in place solutions that look magnificent and it possesses the power to enforce its rule on the earth and whoever stands in its way and it, first it devours and then it crushes, two different things. It devours meaning it absorbs, it takes in as nourishment, it chews up with its great iron teeth. So it tells me that people will be consumed by whatever this kingdom is. And let me give you a hint, it is systemic systems systems that will draw you in, in a fashion that is irresistible. And those who try to come up with an alternative to these systems, those it doesn't devour, it will crush and break in pieces. If you think of this in the context of business, where a common rubric is to kill the competition, crush it, or break it into pieces. Compete with anything that, and everything that proposes an alternative. Use the power and strength of its ability 
to crush, to break into pieces anyone who quote-unquote challenges it. So if you think of it in terms of a business uh, concept or, or a kingdom that deals with opposition and conflict, it'll dominate, it'll establish its hegemony over everything and anything that presents a a, a competing factor to it. It'll eat up everything by offering the best alternatives, the thing that nobody else can offer but this kingdom. And anything that tries to exist apart apart from its hegemony, from its ability to dominate and control, it will launch such a fierce countermeasure against them as to crush them, to rub them into the earth, to make them one again with the earth, and also uh, to break them into pieces, to just destroy them. We watch, we often see major businesses challenged by a smaller business will, uh, will actually roll out such financial resources as to overwhelm, inundate, crush, break into pieces the ability of that business whose idea might well be superior to a greater business, but crush it to pieces, so to grind it to powder, so to speak, kill the competition, or crush it. This is the, this is the mental imagery that is being suggested here. Now, concerning uh, the word for man, the man who speaks for it, the word here is not Adam, the one who speaks for the, as the little horn speaking for the beast, That word is not the word Adam, it's the word Enash, E-N-A-S-H, Enash, it's not Adam. So it corresponds or it means whomsoever or whosoever, a man of an unspecified form and it may often refer to and this is from, uh, from uh, Genesis Hebrew Chaldee lexicon of the Old Testament. Such a man is often referred to as uh, a people, a band of men, a troop, um, possessor of vital power. So here, it is not necessarily the reference to an individual as much as it is a a type of man uh, in reference to the character of the man who speaks. So we'll hear, the point is, 
that will hear mankind echoing the sound of the beast when they speak. So there will be a general, uh, a general consensus in the earth that these blasphemous things that are being said are uh, well received and echoed in the earth. Again, it's not, it's not so much the concept of an Adam, a particular man, um, like the first man, it's a concept of mankind represented by and being corrupted in the representation of uh, this message that is coming forth. So now I want to shift from there to talk about Satan's kingdom because this is not a matter on which uh, there, the Bible is silent. We know what Satan's kingdom is. Come and read with me from the book of John, the book of 1 John chapter 2 verse 15. There John says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world and the world is passing away and the lust of it but he who abides or he who does the will of God abides forever. Right after that he says, little children, verse 18, it is the last hour and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been with of us, they would have continued with us but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ, he is anti-Christ who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore let them abide in you which you heard from let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, you will abide in the Son 
and in the Father. And this is the promise that He has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you, but the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same, but as the same anointing teaches you all concerning the things, the things and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it taught you, you will abide in Him. Now little children, abide in Him, and so on and so forth. Now, when he speaks of do not love the world, here is the appropriate designation. The world the world, the word for world there is the word cosmos, K-O-S-M-O-S. And it has a creator. It's called the cosmocrator, K-O-S-M-O-K-R-A-T-O-R, cosmocrator or the creator of the cosmos. And it's the word world. Cosmocrator is a synonym for Satan or the devil. Now if we go back briefly to the book of Revelation, the 13th chapter, that speaks of this great beast that comes, we will see, we'll observe from which or from whence the power of this beast comes. And by these two I mean to conflate into one simple and common understanding what this global kingdom is. He said, then John is speaking, it's the book of Revelation, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea." You remember Daniel in chapter 7 said, in his vision at night he saw the four winds of heaven stirring up the great sea. And that's not a reference to the sea of humanity, it is more of the reference to a location, and very likely the sea in question is the Mediterranean, which would be close to where both John and before him Daniel were residing at the time. So, I saw a great beast rising out of the sea, having seven heads, and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his head, heads, a blasphemous name." Now, you might readily observe that as between the record of Daniel, of the same thing, and John, there are some additional facts, additional statements that are not in Daniel. 
For example, the beast that is arising is singular. It is a beast. Whereas in the book of Daniel, this beast arises as the fourth of four beasts. And the three preceding ones were a lion, a bear, a leopard, and then this one described as a beast with ten horns. Here Daniel, uh, John adds seven heads. So there are seven heads upon which are attached ten horns. Right? So John adds the feature of seven heads. He also adds ten crowns. Ten crowns. And uh, these ten crowns are uh, an addition to the horns. Now, he also he tells us that this beast, this singular beast, verse 2, the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth the mouth of a lion. So he mentions exactly the four beasts that had preceded in Daniel, but he mentions them in a reverse order. In Daniel it's the lion, the bear, the leopard, and then the beast of of ten horns. In John, here in the Revelation, it is a, a leopard, a bear, and a lion, and they're all the predecessors of, and this great ten-horned seven-head beast resembles resembles the lion, resembles these pre, uh, three preceding ones. Now the, the editor is that uh, there are ten crowns uh, upon the heads and that would indicate of course rule. Now, as we, as we continue, he says, and this is where I was wanting to get to, the dragon, the dragon gave his power, his throne, and great authority to the beast. So much so that the people worshipped, verse 4, the dragon who, who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, who, like, who is like the beast who is able to make war against him? Now, it's, it's quite apparent that we're talking about the same kingdom. And now, uh, let, me, let me also point out, 
from the previous chapter additional indications that this dragon is Satan. In chapter 12, uh, preceding where we were reading and speaking of the opposition to the child who was about to be born, another sign appeared in heaven, behold a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns. And then further it will say, that ancient, uh, verse 9, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. So this power of Satan is given to the beast. Satan's kingdom therefore is the exact same thing as this kingdom of seven heads and ten horns. The thing he created, the cosmos, is described exactly in terms of its identity and its source of the power to govern and its purpose to put on display the nature of the evil one. That is why John would say, do not love the cosmos, do not love the world, because if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Now, you cannot simultaneously trust in the world and trust in God. But you may point out, it's John used the same word, cosmos, K-O-S-M-O-S, when in John 3.16, so the same John writing in the Gospel, most famous verse perhaps in the whole Scripture, do not love, for God so love the cosmos. Do we have a contradiction? Is the cosmos the kingdom of Satan? Is the cosmos uh, the, 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 the world that God loves? This is a false dilemma because there are eight different meanings, eight different meanings to the word cosmos. The primary meaning is the word world, world, and that means an orderly arrangement of systems. That could apply to humanity, it could apply to the geography of the world, it could could apply to any creation that is systemic, that is bound together and functions according to systems. When we come back I want to talk to you about that concept of world that you should not love and it is Satan's kingdom. Continue to study with me, I'm Sam Solon, bye-bye.